the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, we've been spending a lot of time together lately, mostly in the Guild, doing podcasts, doing uh, Q&As. It's been, it's been a good week. Lucky you. It's a good week for you. Oh, dear Lord. How you been? Doing well. I'm a little tired this morning. I don't know. I was a little, when I got up, I was just really groggy. I don't know. But I guess it's just been a long week. It's a weird week because you had the short week, and so the days are all off a little bit. Yeah, that threw me off, but I'm I'm on the third day, my third day of getting back on the um, Miracle Morning. So I've been up since five, got a ton done already. I'm feeling good, and I'm excited about our guest today. Do you want to go ahead and introduce him? Yeah. So our our guest today is Matt Granados. Hopefully, I said it right uh, with Life Pulse Inc. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Matt, so you were introduced to us by our good friend Joey Vitali. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and and what what you do? Yeah, so uh, Joey told me about what you guys are doing and said that we should connect. Uh, Life Pulse is a company that we started. It's a consulting company that I like to tell people we accidentally started. So it came up from uh, when my wife and I got engaged. She knew that marrying me was going to be difficult being an entrepreneur, but she didn't realize how difficult that was going to be. Uh, and she came to me and said, hey, you're a little crazy, a little crazier than I thought. How do you manage all this stuff that's going on in your head? And I said, well, it's easy. Every Sunday, I ask myself these same nine questions. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I just assumed everybody did something like this. And um, I've been doing it for decades. And she's, she asked if she could use it and we could share it together. And I always joke, being kind of like a self-growth nerd, it was the sexiest thing anyone's ever said to me, right? When she asked if she could use my system with me. So we started using it and I realized how amazingly disconnected I was with my wife. When we, I, I would have answered almost all of her questions incorrectly. Um, we started using it. I started using it in one of my companies where it's a very unique sales industry, uh, business where we would hire individuals off Craigslist uh, who weren't the most motivated individuals or the most uh, productive individuals. And we were able to build a $40 million sales organization. So we took that, converted it, uh, and started teaching the system to our sales reps, teaching the system to our warehouse managers. And uh, one thing led to another. We realized that there's a, a lot of value in the system that I've been using that I never shared. Uh, eventually got reached out to by a Fortune 500 company. And uh, they told me that I, this little book that I had 
solves their biggest personnel problem, would I be willing to talk? So I obviously, as an entrepreneur and an opportunist, I said, absolutely, I'd love to. I had no clue what I was solving or what we were going to talk about. And they told us their biggest personnel problem is that they can't connect their corporate desired metrics with their individual's desired lifestyles. And I said, well, that's interesting. Who else has that issue? And they said, almost every business owner out there has that exact issue right now. I said, how'd you used to solve it? They said, we used to just throw money at the problem and people would go away, right? You give them a big enough paycheck, they'll stop. So what happened, I went home from that meeting, talked to my wife who originally told me I have too many ideas and blamed her for starting Life Pulse. And that's how the company started. So it was all based on this little book that you see over here, this LP, that it's a nine-part planning system, uh, which then led to us writing a book with some of the, based on some of the clients we've worked with. So we've worked with Google, Twitter, American, you know, United States Air Force, all the way down to individuals, small business owners, attorneys, doctors, you name it. Anybody who considers their time to be valuable, we work with, uh, which led us to write, uh, write this book, Motivate the Unmotivated, that's actually coming out uh, later on this year. Uh, and that's the story behind how we or why we do what we do. What we actually do is our whole goal is to bring intentionality back to life. You know, you were talking about the Miracle Morning. You know, what Hal's done there, I think, is amazing. I love that system. I think it's great for everybody to have a cadence like that. What we found is a way to do whatever system you're trying to implement, how to actually, we, we teach the how to the what. A lot of people learn what to do. We show how to do it. And part of it is because as an entrepreneur, my whole job is to create systems that are more efficient than something else in order to bring value to a customer. And that's what we've done. So we do the unbreakable foundation, which is building an individual's uh, bandwidth while minimizing their stress. And then we also have a program where we teach, we call uh, motivational management, that we teach people how to build sustainable motivation in their life and all the people's lives around them. And then we also do what we call a 90-day goal rush. And that's my favorite one because that's with our highest producing clients where we take them on a 90-day journey, whatever goals they want. It's a three-month program and we guarantee results. Otherwise, we give them the money back. So based on what we've done anecdotally, and obviously research came to back it afterwards, we realized our system works really, really well. And we travel the world teaching it as to as many people as want to hear it. So I, I find the, the title of the book fascinating, Motivate the Unmotivated, The Proven System for Sustainable Motivation. It's, it's a great title. I love it. And I think it strikes a chord probably with everybody. But something that you talk about in general is strengthen, strengthening your personal foundation. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that and, and why it's important? Yeah. Um, a foundation is something I think all of us as we become successful, which if they're in this group with you, either A, they are successful or B, their goal is to become successful. Once we hit kind of a point of, hey, we're cool with where we are, we're okay with where we are, we tend to forget all the things that got us there. And I'm a true believer that fundamentals, there's, there's no new fundamental. I mean, they've always been there. We tend to forget to do them. So if you don't have a strong foundation, and we all know these stories, we've read these in multiple success books, if you don't have a strong foundation, when something comes your way, it's going to throw you off. So by increasing your bandwidth, right, and pulling more on your plate, if you don't have a strong foundation, that's like putting more weight on, a, on a, you know, something that's made out of, you know, spaghetti sticks and, and marshmallows. Eventually, it's going to break. So how do we build that foundation? Well, we start with the individual. So if you sit there and say, my company's having issues, I can almost guarantee you a large majority of those issues are coming from what's happening between your ears and what's happening in your personal life and what's happening in the relationships in your life, what's happened physically with your body. And because of that, we've created what, what we've discovered as the four vital signs of fulfillment. 
And that's what we work on with every individual. It's how are you growing? It's internal, physical, uh, relational, and professional. How are you growing your mind? How are you growing your body? How are you growing your connections? Then obviously, how are you growing your career? And if you don't focus on those four evenly, it's like driving a car without having proper air in all four tires. All right, Matt, do you think everybody can be motivated or do you think that there's some people who, no matter how hard you try, you can't get through to? Yes, everybody can be motivated because innately we are designed to have desires. Now, some are easier than others. So the main character in this book is someone I call Unmo. Unmo is a long distant cousin of Elmo. You know, for legal reasons, you know, we didn't get full rights of it. So please, attorneys, just back off. But you get the point, right? And Unmo, you know, hasn't shaved in days. He's always a little bit back. And we all have Unmos in our life. What tends to happen is motivation is not a character trait, it's a state of mind. And when you recognize it as that, to all my attorneys out there, if it's just a state of mind, we can change that. And that's something that's really meant a lot to me is that why would somebody not be motivated? And the reason people are in that unmotivated state of mind is because they aren't able to connect their actions with their outcomes. And that's what we do with the entire program is we teach people to find what's called PVTT. And that's personal value tied to task. And when you find what that personal value is tied to your task, that brings worth to the actions to be taken. Too many times we throw stuff at people trying to get them to be motivated and it doesn't work. So the hardest person right now in my life to get what I want them to do is my daughter. My daughter is three years old. She's got a genetic mutation that's causing her to have early onset muscular dystrophy. And she can't walk, can't crawl. She's basically immobile. And I use this as an analogy because it's, it's what's happening in my life right now. And I truly believe if I'm going to be walking and preaching this stuff, I better be using it. To kind of answer a caveat to your question, Jim, there are these things called motivational boundaries that you can only push people to a certain limit before we have to take a step back, let them catch their breath and let them move forward. I can use every motivational trick in the world to get my daughter to walk. It's not going to happen right? I, I have to push her and then let her relax and push her and let her relax. And it's all about bringing people to the point right past the stress line and then giving them a chance to get the reward, enjoy it, and then give them another target to hit. So it is a constant movement of, I call it moving the food bowl. You know, how do you herd cats? It's literally, you just have to move the food bowl. That's the only way you can herd a, a group of cats. So this is the same way when you're motivating somebody is find out what food they want and put the food bowl where you feel it needs to be so they can at least reach it. And then once they reach it, don't move it right away. <laughs> let them enjoy it. Let them eat for at least a second. So Matt, we'll say that you've got a group of unmos working for you. What are some simple solutions for, for motivating your herd of unmos? Okay. So the, the philosophy of fire fast, higher, slow, right? Which is what you'll hear in most books I get. And as an entrepreneur, I've done, um, but I don't like to fire people if, I don't, if I'm not giving them a system to succeed in. Does that make sense? Like, I think we start blaming unmos for things that we can react. Yeah, right. The first thing that people want to jump to, fire the person, fire the person. And usually it's the system that's the problem. And, and the cost of firing somebody and rehiring is not worth the investment it would take to actually do what we teach to do. So how do you take care of a group of people like that? So if we were to come in and do our motivational management program, the first thing we would do is we would do what we call our motivational catalyst assessment. So motivation I relate to is like a pilot flame in a furnace is if it's managed properly, it does exactly what you want. Keeps your house at the right temperature, all that stuff. If it's not managed properly, it blows up, right? I mean, it's not any less dangerous than any other flame. It's just managed. 
So how do we do that? We find their motivational catalyst. The catalyst is something that triggers motivation. So what I mean by that is if I put this in front of them, AKA the carrot in front of the horse, it will trigger them to walk in the direction I want them to walk. Too many times when we have these unmos, we think we're putting a carrot in front of their face that's going to get them to walk. And we're on the side of the horse, basically whipping the horse to walk. Like we're babysitting, we're not managing. And we're confusing that with managing. So I go through and find out what their motivational catalysts are. Anyone who's listening, you can go onto our website, lifepulseinc.com backslash MCA, and you can actually take the assessment for free. Um, you could have your employees do it as well. But the four catalysts is freedom, acknowledgement, connectivity, and support. Freedom are individuals who are doing what they want so they can go do more of what they want. Meaning they might be working in your law firm, not because they're passionate about law, right? They're working in your law firm because you're getting paycheck. And because they have that paycheck, they're able to do something with that. So that's the first thing, freedom. Acknowledgement are individuals who want to be told good job, right? That's that person that loves when you come and say, hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate you being part of the team. You're the most valuable player on the team. Uh, support are individuals who want to know that you're in it with them. Support people hate when the owners of the company are calling in from a vacation spot, right? While they're sitting there grinding it out. They want to know that you're part of the team. And, I'm, and then connectivity are individuals who want to be part of something bigger. They're usually tied to some nonprofits. They're big in the community. Legacy is a big deal for them. You know, what you're doing as far as your mission is a big deal to them. And we find out what they are. And then we create what's called motivation packages. Now, this is the key. Every client I work with, when I come in, they have comp plans, whether it's Twitter, whether it's a you know, standalone lawyer. And that's what they think is motivating their individuals. Money has been proven time and time again to not be a sustainable form of motivation. So because of that, we then create these motivational packages based on what it is that's their catalyst. So for example, a client of ours was opening up an office in South Carolina. And I said, what would you like to see happen? I said, we'd love in this year for them to get 100 new clients. I said, that'd be great. I said, what would you do? I said, if they can get 100 new clients, it would be an absolute positive first year. I said, what if we could do it in 90 days? They said, you do it in 90 days. I would, I would bonus the guy, you know, and I think he said 20 to $30,000 if he was able to do that. I said, hold off for your 20 or 30 grand. I said, let me offer him something else. We took the test. His, his uh, motivation catalyst was freedom. And we worked through this system. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to get 100 new clients in 90 days. And if you do that, we are going to give you two first-class tickets anywhere in the country or two business tickets anywhere in the world, along with a week off and your boss will come in and work your office for you. This guy literally hit the goal in 45 days and then took a flight from South Carolina, first class to Miami, Florida. This entire program that my client was gonna offer 20 or 30 grand for ended up costing him two grand because he ended up paying for his hotel and he, he felt so bad because he was expecting to spend so much. And that's how the system works. It's not about forcing people to do things. It's about taking time to understand who they are and then actually giving them what they want. Another idea we've done with clients is let your employees think of a bucket list item and put that out there. And then the company pays for that, yeah, that item to happen if a specific goal is reached. And then we work with the clients to obviously figure out the ROI, the ROI to make sure that we're not, you know, throwing 10 grand at something that's only worth two grand. Matt, what's been the hardest client problem for you to solve? The hardest client problem all the time with almost everybody uh, I call individuals who don't eat what they serve, right? And uh, those are managers who won't take, won't do the program with me. And I actually won't take a manager unless they're willing to be involved in the learning. 
So one thing we do with a lot of the higher up managers in a company like Twitter is we call it the bridging the gap. And what I do is I coach the manager and I train the team and I use the manager as the example. So too many times people will come and, hey, come on in. My team really needs this program. All right, cool. Where are you going to be? Oh, I got lunch I got to go to. Well, then I'm not coming in. If it's not good enough for you as the head person, it's not good enough for your individuals, no matter how low they are. So the biggest issue when it comes to motivating people is the managers thinking that they have everything under control. I call it the deadly assumption of motivation is I'm good. I got this. They need it. I got this. And if you go through our book, the book is set up with a simple uh, formula, which is the sum of you and them, right? You being the person who's motivating, them being the person who's being motivated times the system will equal your results. And if you're not constantly working on you and constantly making sure that they have what they need to succeed, I don't care what system you have. Anything times a negative is a negative. You're going to get a negative outcome. Matt, I mean, I love what you're saying. I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's fantastic. But sometimes you get an unmo, or that maybe you motivate that unmo, but maybe that per, the, their, their goals aren't aligned with your company's vision. So yeah. how, do you, how do you get those two to line up? Or is it, is it something where then at that time you should probably cut them loose? Well, you should free them, right? You, basically, you own a slave at that point. I mean, I know it sounds rough, but you're, you're forcing somebody to do something they don't want to do for something they don't want to get. I mean, why would you want that person on your team? So what I found is most people, we just need to change the way they're seeing things. So what we call it is as a, as a motivator, you need to recognize all you're offering as an attorney with your staff on your team is what we call a purpose vehicle. A purpose vehicle is like a rental vehicle, meaning unless they are just passionate about, let's say you're doing immigration law, right? And they are just so passionate about the mission to help other people become legal immigrants into the state or fight, you know, discrimination, whatever it might be. Maybe you can have unmo come out of this motivational funk based on the mission. Those are probably your connective people, right? The connectivity motivational catalyst. But for the majority of it is we need to find out why are they here? Well, I'm here because I need to put food on my kid's table. Okay, well then guess what? Your PVTT is not about getting these reports done on time. It's about getting these reports done so that you can spend time with your kids. So there's three questions that we ask every single person when we're doing our, our weekly huddles when you're in this program with us. They're the first three questions of our LP. It's what are you focused on? What are you grateful for? And what are you working towards this week? What are you focused on? What are you grateful for? And what are you working towards this week? And what happens is if I hear that, usually it takes about four cycles of hearing this. I know exactly how to motivate somebody. So Tyson, if you were to sit here and tell me that you're grateful for your family, right? You're grateful for your family. You're grateful for your family. And then I need someone to work late on a case. And I know you have a recital you need to go to for your kid. Asking you to stay back is such a big withdrawal in our relationship that it's almost probably not worth it versus we have a young strapping kid like Jim, right? Early 20s you know, excited to get things going to get would love for extra time and love to work later and would love to be part of this whole, you know, push to this heavy working, but we don't know it if we don't take the time to understand that. So it's all about knowing those three questions. What are you focused on? What are you grateful for? And what are you working towards? Because what we also do as managers, when it comes to motivating, we tend to manage the people who are easy to manage and motivate the people who are already kind of motivated and we avoid the ones who need it. And part of the reason why is we don't know how to address it. So I had a time where one of my staff members, her one word focus was cancer. 
That was an eye opener. I was about to fire her. Turns out, reason I was firing her was she was very uh, ornery towards everybody. Every Monday, she would come in and just have this, this just, you know, just wasn't fitting with the culture that we've built. And it was new for her. I didn't realize what was going on. Well, she was going through chemo treatments Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and didn't tell anybody and was coming in Monday to work. Now, think about those two things. If I know what's happening in somebody's life, there's a lot more grace I'm willing to give them, and I can help them with that. Another analogy I always put is imagine you and I are walking, and we walk down the street, and somebody has uh, you know, their head down, and they bump into you, and they spill their coffee all over you, right? Your coffee all over you. And you look up, and they're texting on their phone. You're going to be pretty bothered, right? They shouldn't have been doing that. should have been paying attention. Same scenario, we look up, that individual has sunglasses on and a walking stick. You're not as bothered because you understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. So when it comes to motivation, I tell people there's two types of ways you motivate people. It's based on fear, which is by force, or it's love, which is based on understanding. And when I say love, people go, oh, well, then they'll walk all over me. And, you know, it takes too long to do all that. I'd rather just tell them to do their job and just do it. Over the length of a relationship, love is a faster and more sustainable way to actually get them to be motivated because you don't have to put as much energy to it. Force or fear, you have to constantly be pressuring those people. You have to constantly, hey, did you get it done? Did you get it done? Did you get it done? We're not here to teach how to force people to do things. We're here to teach people how to discover the value in the actions you want them to take so that they will take them on their own. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by, try Smith AI. We're talking to Matt Granados on uh, the Maximum Lawyer podcast. Matt, we're really glad to have you here. My question for you is, one of the things that we have struggled, and it sort of straddles that love or fear dichotomy that you talked about, is handling mistakes when yeah. team members make an error. We're, we've been talking a lot about how to fix that particular error, how to try to revise our systems. But how do you deal with the emotions of people that get upset when mistakes are made? So a couple things. Let's assume that, per- that person's unmo right now, right? Everything I do is around the same character. It makes my life easier and other people's easier to understand. So a big thing is the difference between responsibility and fault. If that person makes a mistake, that's their fault. But whose responsibility is it? It's whoever's in charge of whatever project we're doing. And what I mean by that is I can't stand with, well, it wasn't my fault. All right, well, guess what? You're the, you're the owner of the company. You're liable for this. So cool whose thought, fault it is. It's your responsibility. So one thing is, is recognizing if you're a traditional motivator and you're focusing all on them, 
you're not focusing on you. There's probably some hypocrisy happening that they're seeing. And because of that, it's like, you know, <clears throat> one of my favorite lines in uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People is when he talks about, look, you know, if I've made a mistake, how can I be upset if someone else has? And I read it, and I'm like, oh, that's a very good point. I'm still bothered that they messed up, right? I still get frustrated without a doubt. But it's also recognizing that communication is usually a big reason why mistakes happen. And as a motivator, we talk about the, issue, the reason why communication is so difficult is we are taking an emotional thought and trying to communicate it using a logical form, language. And because of that, things get lost in translation. Even face-to-face, let alone, hey, I sent you these messages through email. I sent you these messages through a text. I sent you these instructions here. I can tell you almost every single time an employee of mine mess up or a client of mine's team messes up, I can point some of the fault and some of the blame to communication issues. Now, assuming communication is perfect, which is rare, what I always tell people is you need to recognize and be responsible for the difficulty of communicating. So if you're telling Unmo to do something and Unmo keeps making the same mistake, unless you've made a bad hire and that person is just absolutely not capable of doing their job, which I think is overblown in the world I'm in as far as the fact that we're hiring poorly, I don't think that's the case. I think people hire pretty well, especially these days with all the information we have on people. What happens is we need to recognize, okay, yes, they are capable, why are they making this mistake? Are they lazy? Are they not paying attention? Are they rushed? Are they overwhelmed? And figuring out the root cause so that we can address the cause so that next time it's not as big of a mistake. And also we push real hard on this concept of progress versus perfection as we're building people. Look, once we've built people, then we can be a little bit more on the same team of why did you mess this up? So dealing with the emotional side of it, it comes to that, that aspect of fear versus love. If they're scared of you, which I bet you most of the people who are listening to this, there's team, and that's not just because you're lawyers. I'm saying just in general, most entrepreneurs have a little bit of a fear-based style in the way they motivate people. Very few have a love-based style. When you have a love-based style, people can come to you with their issues and tell you, hey, I messed up. How do I correct this? How do I do this? So if they're getting emotional because of a mistake they've made, there's a high likelihood that the relationship that you have with them is more of a fear-based motivation than it is a love-based. And part of that fear-based, here's what I would say, is it always defaults to fear-based because they're scared of not getting a paycheck. So unless you're putting a love-based option out there, and again, love is not you know, being super soft or cuddly. Love is a very, um, it's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always a nice thing to do. It's what's best for the individual you're working with. So, Matt, I have a question that I normally ask lawyers, but I, I, I don't think I've asked it to a non-lawyer yet. Uh, but you, right. really, you, seem, you seem like you have your shit together. So, I, I want to ask you this question because um, it's, it's going to make you think a second. Because you, you really do look like you have everything together and you're highly motivated and everything. But what is it that you struggle with the most? I can't spell, but that's just something I've always had an issue with. So what's something I, there's a lot that I struggle with. There's a lot of flaws that I have in general. What I would say I struggle with is I ready, fire, aim. I take action way faster than I should. And if I would just take a step back and breathe, right, I would make way less mistakes. It's kind of um, the way I've always designed everything I do is just, all right, get it out there, get in front of people, take the beating of how bad it is, then perfect it and get another version, get another version, get another version where other people do the opposite. They're paralyzed by thought. So in the rare times that I would say that I do this, where I push things too fast, um, I'm comfortable with that. 
where I make the mistake is assuming other people are comfortable with that. So for example, my wife, right? I'm assuming, hey, like, with, let's go back to what we're dealing with my daughter, Natalie. I want to go to every potential medical person. I won't even say doctor, right? I don't care if you're a guru in a mud hut. Like, if you think you can help her, I want to go talk with you. My wife didn't like that because she knows me, right? I'm out there. I like this person. I'm stroking a check before we leave. We're going to get started. She wants to think through it. So I had to explain to her that just because I get excited about an idea does not mean I'm going to take action right away. And she was very clear to show me all the times in the past that I've done that. And it's right. So that would be my biggest issue, my biggest flaw is I take action sometimes too fast. And I sh- if I were to take a step back and think a little bit more about it, it probably wouldn't be uh, as, as much of a struggle going forward. But when it comes to motivating myself and the topics that I teach on, it's hard because I've, I, I always say if you, if you become what you want to become, it's hard to avoid it. If you try to be something you're not, it's hard to do it. And one thing we do is by making this, this book here, it's a nine-part system every day for seven days a week. It literally takes about an hour to do, and it spits off what we're finding with users an extra 15 hours a week of productivity by going through this system, right? So when you have a lot of margin in your week, you can make up for a lot of the faults and issues that you have. With that, you know, we're talking with attorneys here. I don't even know what the average attorney charges, right? I know mine charges, you know, well over $500 an hour. So I try not to call them if I can avoid it. But you start talking 15 hours a week, more of billable time or productivity. And think about the teams that you have underneath you. I mean, the ROI on this type of stuff is crazy. I don't care how long it takes to get that to be part of your culture. You bring productivity and motivation as part of your culture. It's going to change what you're doing. So again, my flaw, I act very quickly. And because of that, I, I think if I were to take time to think a little bit more, even hear how I answer questions here, I kind of think as I talk right? But if I was to take time to sit back and think, then act, I think I would be further along than I am right now with much less bumps and bruises. All right, Matt. So that brings up the question, do you think that we are better off playing to our strengths or trying to fix our weaknesses? So philosophy, again, I love this. It's like you've already read the book, Jim. We learned this very, again, I keep using Natalie as an example because it's so raw to me. And I hope you guys, you know, sometimes people don't like hearing about kids who are having issues, but it's just the life I'm living right now. So when we brought Natalie at first, my whole thing is actions, actions, actions. So because of that, the girl can't crawl. She can't walk. We need to work on her physical abilities. The state came in and said, hey, we need to do a cognitive test. And I said, why are you wasting your time with that? She's okay. Like she can talk. She's doing well. We need to get her walking. So let's focus on physical. And I said, we just have to do it. They did the cognitive test. This was at about two and a half years old. She was testing at about a six-month physical, right, where she was doing what six-month-year-olds do. Mentally, she was at about a five-year-old. And I'll never forget, I kind of sat back in my seat like, you idiot, again, going to acting too fast and not thinking through it. If I would have kept on the pace and the plan I was going, we would have put all of our effort into getting her to walk, which high likelihood will never happen, right, based on just what science says with genetics and stuff. What we instead did was we started focusing on her cognitive skills, playing piano, typing on the computer, getting used to doing things that she could do for the rest of her life and get further ahead. So at three years old, she's playing hot cross buns on the piano. That's the only song. I don't know how to play a piano. That's all I know how to teach her, right? We can't get a a piano teacher to teach her until she's four, which is frustrating, but that's kind of where we went. So to answer your question, the philosophy that we live by and I learned that day was to change the way you just said that, but it is manage your weaknesses, leverage your strengths. So don't ignore your weaknesses. 
Like they're there. I can't spell. So if I'm going to publish something, I need to pay other people to look at it before it goes out to the public. I know that if I'm the last eye on it, it's going to have an issue on it. Does that make sense? So recognizing what are your weaknesses? And that's why what we do with clients is we do a SWOT analysis of ourselves, Just like you would with the marketing plan, if you're, if you're familiar with SWOT, right? What are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats? What are your internal strengths? What are your internal weaknesses? What are your external opportunities? What are your external threats in whatever it is that you're doing? And that's part of our program when we do our full coaching is finding out, all right, what are you good at? If you're good at selling and you're terrible at managing, why are you managing? <laughs> There's other people who are good at that. We had one of our businesses called Local Vendors Coalition, where we help local farmers sell to big box stores. Um, we had a time where I got a phone call from my driver said, hey, I wrecked the truck. Right? This is a 26-foot box truck, refrigerated truck, full of, supply, full of uh, uh, fruits and vegetables going to Whole Foods. And I get down there, and he basically went under an overpass and tuna can the entire thing. Fortunately, he didn't break anything besides the truck didn't kill. You know, usually when a truck like that hits something, somebody dies, and that didn't happen. Um, we got down there and, uh, I remember sitting there going, why in the world am I as a salesperson taking this liability of driving trucks? There's companies out there who do this professionally. And my cheap self said, but yeah, but we could do it cheaper. Really run a truck under a bridge. See how cheap that is, right? It's not cheaper just because you're going dollars to dollars. You have to add risk and you have to add reward to all of the things that we are doing. So to answer your question again, I like to talk a lot. Hopefully that's okay. But it's, it's manage your weakness, leverage your strengths. That is the philosophy we work with every client. Man, talking is what we do. We, we like guests that talk a lot. That, you make it easy. On <laughs> that, that's good. So, but we, hey, we do need to wrap things up. Before I do, uh, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, big group, get involved there. There's a lot of great information being shared. Um, if you want to join the Guild, we, we're going live to the Guild this morning. So if you're listening to this, you're not in the Guild, you're about two weeks behind. So People in the guild are getting this in real time. So join us there. And if you don't mind taking a few seconds and giving, and giving us a five-star review, we'd appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So we had Adam Whitty on a couple of weeks ago from uh, Magnetic Marketing, and he recommended a book, which I, of course, ordered on Amazon before the podcast episode was over. And that book was The Magic of Thinking Big. And I'm making my way through it. It's a little bit not woo-woo, but a little bit like rah-rah. So I don't know that it, it's that realistic, but there's, there's good nuggets in there. And you know me, I'm always just looking for some, some good tidbits or, or things. So I'm, of course, looking forward to Matt's new book so I can grab that. And, uh, you know, so The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. So I was thinking the exact same thing whenever I saw that Matt was coming on. He was like, this, this is Jim's, this is Jim's guy, man. It's a, the woo and the rah-rah is all, all Jimmy. So uh, Matt, so we always ask our guests to give us a tip or a hack of the week. It's a podcast, a book, a inspirational tip, whatever it may be. It could be any tip that you might have. Um, so do you have something for us? Inspirational tip. I always joke because my topic's motivation, but I'm not a motivational speaker. I, I don't teach people how to like get excited. I teach people how to stay sustainably uh, so excited. So the, the hack of the week would be is to live your life seven days at a time. Um, if you're day to day and you're doing day to day to do list, you're going to fail almost every day. The day's too short. If you do monthly planning, that's fine for kind of get to kind of get your brain right. But when it comes to execution, seven days at a time, and the, there's two reasons why. Number one is because um, a week is linear, meaning if you can't get something done on Monday, you have time to finish it on Tuesday. Number two is the finish line is close enough where you feel the pressure. So that's the reason why every single thing we do is seven days at a time. That's why this planner is a week at a time. 
every single thing we do. So that would be my personal one as far as uh, what I would say as far as like outside of what we do, just to kind of get away from our content. Um, I use an app that's called Boomerang. Um, it's not the one on Gmail. There's a different one it's called Boomerang. And what it does, is it, it's like almost a notepad that links right to your inbox. And it is one of my favorite apps that I use. Uh, when I have an idea, I just send it in there. If I want to take a picture, I'll send and then it just hits send and it goes right to your inbox. And that's been super helpful to keep notes, keep ideas fresh um, and get them where I, I see it on a regular basis. So Boomerang would be my, my app to go to. Um, and then that would be just for sake of time. I'll stop there. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so we've talked about, or my tip of the week is uh, we've talked about Otter before on the podcast, but there's something I learned yesterday that uh, from, from Kyra, from Kyra Fontenot, she told me that there's an integration with Zoom. So if we wanted to, which we've not done it yet, Jim, uh, you can get a paid, we did it for the firm yesterday. You can get a paid version of Otter that syncs with Zoom that will transcribe your Zoom meetings. And we did it yesterday for our, we have our team training every Wednesday and it was incredible. Now it doesn't, I wouldn't say it does a very good job of splitting up the different people talking, but you at least get the text automatically transcribed. It is really accurate too. So I highly recommend it if you're, if you're regularly doing things on Zoom that should be transcribed because it, it's extremely accurate. You, you can just go through and, and space it out however you want to format it because it, it's, it's pretty damn good. So Matt, Thanks so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. See you, bud. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time. Maximum.